So welcome in to the Wednesday Bible Study. We are thankful that you are here uh, as we come to you from uh, the uh, studios that uh, uh, sends out the Rick and Bubba show every day. If you're not familiar with that, uh, that is uh, that is what I do for a living. I'm the co-host of the Rick and Bubba show. You can get all the details about the show at rickandbubba.com. But uh, this is here on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel live uh, most every Wednesday, noon central, 1 o'clock Eastern. And then it's archived, and we put that out on uh, – it'll be here on the on the YouTube channel, but also out on our, our podcast channel as well. Uh, and, of course, this is a at the foundation a men's Bible study that started eight years ago uh, when we were developing a strategy that is now known as the manchurch.com. Uh, this is a turnkey, full-blown men's discipleship strategy uh, for your community and your church uh, or your church, uh, and you can get all the details by going to themanchurch.com. So a couple things I want you to know. Uh, we did launch the Strive app. It's just came, It's just come out. Uh, this is the brand new resource that we have from the manchurch.com uh, that helps with men's discipleship, providing so much content uh, for you with this app. I mean, there's Bible studies, there's um, there's daily devotions, there's just little little tidbits of things that you can uh, that you get every day that's new, uh, and then we have full blown sermons and, and Bible study series too. Uh, you can try it for seven days for free. Uh, the Strive Daily Discipleship app for men. It's on uh, Apple and Google Play, uh, and it does work with everything now. We had to work out some kinks in the beginning. Uh, getting some good feedback on that, but I wanted to update you, even if you already have it, uh, and we'll continue to add to it. Uh, we did a complete Bible study uh, walking through every word as we're doing with Genesis now. We did that with the book of Acts, and now that uh, that Bible study has been loaded onto the app and if you'd like to walk through the book of Acts, uh, like uh, like we did, uh, word for word, I teach that. That has just been added uh, this past week. So look for that as something new. Uh, the daily devotions, of course, are updated and brand new every week. So if you'd like to try it, please do, and thank you for the feedback. You can try it seven days and with no obligation. But then after that, it's nine ninety nine a month if you want to uh, stay with us. Now, I don't want any of you to panic that say, well, I go back and I get my archives um, – uh, on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel, or I go back and get archives at BurgessMinistries.com with the audio files. You can continue to do that. We're not taking them away and putting them on the app. Now, what the app does provide is you sure can search them easier. Uh, the way we, we the way we load them on the YouTube channel and Burgess Ministries, we, we it's a process that's kind of a little bit outdated now, but we don't really have a search feature. Uh, but you can still go through and find them. This is a little more convenient. Uh, but it also, you know, is limited to to what studies are there. You can get them all at BurgessMinistries.com or uh, the YouTube channel uh, anytime you want to at, at no charge at all. But uh, this is just kind of a, an app version that might be more user friendly for you. But it also has some other stuff. So add it to your arsenal if uh, if you feel led or, or desire to do so. Now, some other things that will be coming up. We do want you to be aware of this. Uh, uh, man, churches are going to be going out in the month of June, uh, and so when you come back from Memorial Day weekend, uh, June the 16th, First Baptist Church, Opelika, Alabama, Kevin Derryberry will be there. His story is fantastic, man. He's a great musician, singer, songwriter, uh, and teacher, and he'll be speaking at uh, First Baptist Church, Opelika, if you want to be part of that on June the 16th. Uh, another man church kickoff, that means this church is kicking off the strategy for the first time. Brian Gunn from the man church team will be teaching, great teacher. This will be a breakfast uh, at Homewood Church of Christ, Father's Day weekend on Saturday morning. Morning, and uh, you can be there. And then also, you can uh, see Scott Dawson in Birmingham, Alabama. It'll be another breakfast as well. Now, we're already doing the men's discipleship strategy, but our next gathering at my home church in Birmingham will be on the 19th. We'll have a breakfast for men. All we need to know is that you're coming. So go to themanchurch.com, look at upcoming events, and you'll see the details there, or go directly to valleydale.org/slash events. Scott Dawson will be there for that breakfast. And then on the, uh, the 28th, uh, New Life Chapel, Madison, Alabama. Scott Dawson will be doing a man church there too. They're already doing the strategy. We also will participate in men's conferences and events. Uh, and I have the honor to be in Shelbyville, Tennessee, coming up on June the 18th, that Saturday night. Uh, that'll be going on at First Baptist Church in Shelbyville. It is a men's event. I do think they are going to kick off the men's discipleship strategy, but this is an event, and you're welcome to join us. They have a ticket that includes dinner. Uh, if you don't want to do that, then they have a ticket that just gets you to the event. You can do either one. Uh, but it is ticketed, and you need to get those by going to either themanchurch.com under upcoming events, burgessministries.com under upcoming events, 
or rickandbubba.com under upcoming events. It's 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 there. It may not be at the Man Church, but it's definitely at Burgess Ministries and rickandbubba.com. And I'm looking forward to seeing the men in and around Shelbyville, Tennessee. Now, also, Gridiron Men's Conference is going on. Uh, I'm not speaking there this year. I usually speak there every other year, but, boy, they have another great lineup. And that's another great opportunity for your men's group. That's Father's Day weekend on Friday night and half a day on Saturday uh, there in Huntsville, Alabama. So really, if you're in that part of Tennessee where I'm going to be, you could really go to Gridiron in Huntsville, be done by lunch, go take a break, and come up and come hang out with me on Saturday night. So anyway, all that's available to you. Go out and get all that information. We continue in our Bible study of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 21 today. And so we'll, we'll say a prayer. And then we'll get started. Uh, Lord, we, we right now just uh, we, 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 we just take an opportunity uh, to reach out to you in, in our country where we live, or once again, uh, it seems like everywhere we look, there's just uh, pain, suffering, tragedy. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're, we're talking about the mass shootings that have taken place again involving small children uh, and the hurt uh, for these families. And we as as men all over this country and men in this room, we pray for those families. And we, we pray for... Um, you know that what the adversary intended for evil, you will you will always turn for good. Uh, we also say a prayer for one of our fellow brothers here in the class, uh, Steve Grissett, who is not with us uh, because his mother passed away, as you know, last night. Uh, so we say a special prayer for him, and so thankful for the powerful prayers of a godly woman. Uh, she prayed over her son, and for you allowing her to live long enough to see Steve uh, come back to Christ and uh, be fully sold out follower of Jesus, and for her to get to see that. It's just so fantastic. And, uh, of course, we rest in peace knowing that she's in your presence. And, and we will be uh, and, and when you determine even our earthly life ends or you, or you come back to us, whatever the case may be. So be with us now as we unpack your word, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So you know, this is a, a men's Bible study at its foundation. Women certainly watch the archives or watch live, and we're, that's fine. We're, we're thankful for that. But But – Based on what just happened in our country yesterday, another one of these mass shootings, and you're going to see politicians, and you're going to see uh, people with all sorts of agendas uh, that'll grandstand and pontificate, and uh, they'll talk around it. Uh, but but they really, you won't really hear them ever really talk about solving the real problem. And they'll come up with band aids, or they'll be afraid, and they'll be mad, and they'll throw something out that that won't make any difference, and and it certainly never has. But one of the things that I saw during the newscast yesterday of people covering this, I was surprised to see it. I was thankful, but I was surprised to see it, and it just kind of went. It just kind of went under the radar, and just kind of went. It was a passing comment. Uh, it hasn't gotten any headlines. Uh, I wonder if it ever will. Uh, but Ari Flesher, I don't know if you know Ari or not, but he's been around for a while. He was being interviewed. I, I think it might have been. Uh, I'm not sure who was interviewing him, but uh, I was watching it. And he they were wrapping him up. Ari, thank you for being with us. And then he said this statement about the shooting. If there's one link among these mass killers, it's that they grew up in families without fathers. Um, that, that has received zero uh, follow-up. And, and, and when he said that, I thought Ari Flesher is going to be canceled. He just got himself in a lot of trouble for having the audacity to say, I'll tell you one of the biggest problems uh, we were, because we've got to go and we got to look where, what is this society doing that is perpetuating evil people who in cold blood shoot people down? And if they don't shoot them, they, they, they'll blow places up and stab. And, you know, just this desire that I'm, this, this, this desire to kill people in cold blood, uh, which is wicked and it is evil. And, until we're willing to go back and say we've got to get to the root of this problem because but, but nobody wants to do that i mean it just becomes a political battle over the second amendment and you know weapons and all this kind of stuff of course they'll conveniently leave out that the guy who shot up the church in texas if you remember that uh, that horrible killing when he closed everybody off in there and began to shoot everybody in cold blood like animals uh, by the way, by the law, he was not supposed to have the weapons that he had, uh, but our ever-loving, all-caring government forgot to do the paperwork. Uh, so he was not supposed to be allowed access to weapons because of being um, uh, removed from military under dishonor because of his uh, mental instability. Um, so, you know, when you start thinking about the government can solve it, of course, you know, when they do something as, as careless as can't quite get the paperwork done, um, those. but you know who also took out that shooter was uh, 
a member of the NRA who was trained with a weapon and had it legally, and he's the one that actually kept him from killing more people. Now, that those kind of discussions are is, is the kind of stuff you're going to see. But but what we have to really talk about is this this country and this world has a spiritual problem. Uh, and, and, and until the darkness that we are perpetuating with so many things, like what Ari Flesher said, uh, I mean, we're living in a country right now where if you go to any part of the country, it's almost it's just under fifty percent. Uh, the households do not have a father, and if you go into other parts, some of the poorest parts of our country, and some of the most crime-ridden parts of our country, you find figures like seventy-five, seventy-eight uh, percent of the houses do not have fathers. So, uh, but but I mean, it's everywhere now. I mean, you can go into suburbia and, like, say, it's like fifty percent. You know, just a little under that. So there is an issue that men, um, what, what our country really needs, it needs people under the authority of Christ, but it really does mean, need men under the authority of Christ because if you think that the attack on masculinity and the attack on men in this country and to remove us from society and, and them pointing to us with, with, with somewhat, a little bit of truth saying that men are the problem, but the part they're not telling you is that men are the solution. Uh, and it's, it, it is true that if you have men, I've told you all that all the time, if you have us out, out from under the authority of God, then we do wreak havoc. We are, we're problematic. But what they don't want to tell you, if men will come under the authority of Christ, they're also actually the solution. Uh, and what we have is a bunch of, we have a generation of children that are running rogue without the authority of a God-fearing man. And until we're ready to address that and talk about that like grown-ups, this problem is never going to be resolved. You, you could take every gun you want to and outlaw it and throw it away, burn them, whatever you want to, but the people that are, that are evil will still have weapons and they will still kill people. And uh, it sounds good and you get angry and you scream, we got to do something, we got to do something. But don't you just want to be the person? I wish I could be a reporter for a day and go, can you explain to us what you think we should do? Something's got to it's, it's got to be done. I'm sick and tired of this. Okay, then what are you going to do to solve it? Because everything you've tried so far has not solved it. So why don't you try something new? Can't be more laws. I mean, we have uh, some of the, some of the, some of the most stringent laws involving weapons in Chicago, in Washington D.C., in New York City. And I'm not going to walk those streets today. I don't think you want to either, are you? Without some sort of protection. Uh, and every weekend they crank out more shootings than anybody else. So. That, that's not the solution. The solution is this is evil. This is wickedness. And, 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 it is, and, and there's, I had somebody today that was, that was so true. They said this. We were going back and forth in the text, and they're right. And Sherry and I talked about it yesterday. If the Lord God Almighty was not so merciful, if right now the Lord God Almighty said to everybody watching this and listening to this, I'm going to let you see the spiritual warfare that is going on in your society, and he showed it to us, you wouldn't sleep a wink tonight. You have no idea what's going on around you, and you don't want to see it. Or you, wouldn't, you, you would be in the fetal position crying out, God, remove me from this place. So we might want to, to take on this spiritually since that is the problem. As Tony Evans said, and I remember when he said it, and he said it so so correctly, you cannot solve spiritual problems with earthly solutions. It, 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 it just doesn't happen. you got to solve spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. So the fact that we're going to sit here in a Bible study and open up the Holy Word of God and walk through it word for word, this is the answer. This is what we need to be doing. This is where you need to be spending your time. And I commend you men that are here and are watching and women who are watching too, those of you that make this a priority because you are actually spending your time on something that matters. You're spending your time on something that will make a difference. So with that, let's let's dive into where we are. I know that you, like me, found, I found myself going, Lord, can we please have Isaac here at some point? And, and so now Isaac has arrived, uh, the promised Isaac, uh, in Genesis 21. Uh, if you really want to look at, at this chapter, and I'll work through it uh, as, as quickly as I can, Isaac is born, Ishmael is cast out, and there's a covenant made with Abimelech. 
that's that's the three things that happen uh, in this chapter. So uh, let's look at uh, how how Moses just gets right to it in, in verses one and two uh, in Genesis twenty one as we open up the holy word of God. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Don't miss that. That's important. And the Lord uh, did to Sarah as he had promised, verse 2, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. So let's unpack these, these two verses really quite simply. You know what Moses wants us to know? God fulfilled his promise in his time, and he did it his way. That'd be a good lesson for us to all learn. Uh, God said, this is what I'm going to do. And that's really ought to be good enough for us. He's, and he says, I will do it my way, and I will do it in my time. And what we're supposed to say, as taught by our Lord and Savior, your will be done. You do it how you want to do it. And, uh, you know, it, it's I, I, can, I can literally say that I was asked by two people uh, in the last 72 hours to pray earnestly for, for lives of people who were sick, and in one instance, the the prayers came back with thank everybody for the prayers. Uh, this person has made a, a, a turn; it's a, it's it's miraculous. As soon as everybody started praying for him, he started getting better. On the other one, the call is the one I prayed about. Hey, Rick, just wanted you to know my mama died. And both of those, God did 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 His will, and He did it in His time. You think he just said, well, I, well, I, I used to use too late with that one prayer. I, I wish you'd prayed a little harder. I, 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 I might have turned both of them around. No, what God said is, I hear you praying, and you should pray, but you prayed the way my son told you to, and that means that you end the prayer by saying, your will be done. And, and you know, one of the things that, that, um, that you learn with that kind of stuff, and with this you see that this is a glorious day because it's finally going to happen, but many times we look, and, and the book of Job is just filled with this. I wonder if we shouldn't do a study on that at some point, but it's a – you know what the book of Job basically shows you? Is that God does what he wants to do the way he wants to do it, and the way he did it is always right. That, that's the thing. When, 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 when God is, is giving Job his resume, he lets Job give his resume, and he says, now I'm going to compare my resume to yours. And by the time we're done, what you're going to realize is that what I do is right. Whether you agree with it, disagree with it, understand it or not, what I do is right. And uh, just like he t- was trying, you know, we've already studied this. What do you, why do you think he came and visited Abraham and took him out and showed him Sodom and started talking to him about everything that was going to happen? What he wanted him to know and uh, through their conversation is, when I wipe this place off the face of the earth, you know what you're going to say? Hey, he did the right thing. They had that coming. And uh, and so that's what you take away from verse 1 and 2. And then 3 and 5, things shift a little bit, and we're going to see that God did what he said he was going to do, but now in 3 through 5, it's going to shift to Abraham's proper response to it. Can, can I tell you what's not the proper response on something like this? Well, about time. Man, we've been waiting. You ever, you ever been that? disgruntled, ungrateful person. Well, I mean, he finally got around to it. Tell you what, if you'd have showed up, you know, about, about you remember Jesus and when, when Lazarus is dead, they're like, they're, if you'd have got here, he wouldn't be dead. As if God's not in control of this whole thing. And uh, have you ever had God answer a prayer for you, but it wasn't the way, you, the timeline you wanted? You could have saved me a lot of miserable days. And and I never, I, don't, I never will forget this. Some of y'all have heard this before, but it's been so long, it's worth repeating. When Sherry wrote her book, um, Bronner, A Journey to Understand, about, about us, the difficulties that we went through with the earthly death of our youngest son, whose birthday is this Friday. He would, he would have, if, if, the God, if God had a different plan, he'd be 17 Friday. So, uh, and he went to the Lord at two and a half, which was perfect. It was short by my standards, but by God's standards, it was exactly right, according to Scripture. So, we Sherry actually had a pretty big time publisher that came to her and and wanted the book and was ready to do a big money up front and pay a lot for the rights to the book and all this and and um, as they were talking to us 
we started realizing pretty quick that they didn't understand the book and they really had not read it. And, uh, and, and, and so Sherry starts to kind of, kind of pull back a little bit. And, um, in order to maintain the, the purity of the scripture driven book, ultimately it was just done by a little independent publisher that had no money to give anybody up front, but said, we will not touch the manuscript because we think it's holy. But when this big time publisher was talking to us, they wanted to lighten it up a little bit and make it a little more of another Rick and Bubba book and this kind of thing. And, and obviously Sherry did the right thing. And she said, you guys are not going to publish it. And the woman kind of got indignant at one point because she said, well, my daddy at whatever, whatever age was outside working on a gutter on, on, uh, on a stepladder fell back, hit his head on the concrete and it killed him. And I just didn't see, I didn't see that didn't seem to mean anything. I didn't see I didn't see what God was doing in that. To which Sherry looks at her and says, Well then you missed it. <laughs> That's on you then. If you missed what he was teaching and all that, he was teaching, you just missed it. And uh, so everything that God is doing, because nobody teaches like the Lord, he, his timing is always right. And if you said, well, you, you, there were a lot of days that I was miserable that you could have come in and kept me from experiencing. Well, you experienced them because he's teaching you something there in that. And if you didn't get it, then you missed it. He didn't just haphazardly say, I could have, I could have solved this in six months. I just didn't ever get around to it. So it took a year or a year and a half or three years. You think God said, yeah, I guess I could have done it six months. I guess I put it up there on my, on my calendar, and I, I forgot to look at it, and I, I've come in here finally. There's just no reason of this timeline. I just haphazardly did this timeline. No, that's not the God you serve. That's, that's, that's a God of chaos, and that, that's the adversary. He's a God of order, and he's made that very clear. And you know what he said? I said I was going to do this, and I did it in the timeline that I, w- that I think was the right timeline so you couldn't take any credit for it. It's one of the things. If you're 100 years old and your wife's 90 and you've had a baby, then then that's going to be the Lord. And so uh, he made sure that happened. But Abraham does the right thing. He immediately, he immediately shifts into obedience. Look what happens. Verse 3 through 5. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. Now, why is that important? That's what he was told to do. Uh, so that that's that's what he did, uh, and then and then in four, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Underline that Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So the focus shifts to Abraham's obedience. His son, who don't miss this where it's in scripture. And I'm doing the, the English Standard Version, but what you have is if it's not exactly the same words, it's really close. He wants this to, his, the name Isaac for it to be Abraham's son who was born to Sarah. That's who bore him. So there's a triple designation here. It was his son who was born whom Sarah bore to him. All that's important. Because uh, this is exactly what God said would happen. It will be Abraham's son, and, and this son will be born, and it will be born through Sarah. Anything else y'all wanted to try, which they did, and we'll get to that, was not what I said. I told you that's how it was going to be done. And I think what what we do sometimes, and it was in the Oswald Chambers devotion today, he says, you know, a lot of times when you get to a certain level of, of your walk with Christ, your problem isn't bad decisions anymore. You start, you start making good decisions, where your problem is you don't make the best decision. You make good ones. You don't make bad ones anymore. But you don't really make great ones. And that's where you grow. See, see sometimes a good decision, we, we're satisfied with that. Like saying, Ishmael was my son. I just had it with another woman who I knew could have the baby. Eh, you know, you, 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 you went along with me on a little bit of it. Even Sarah remember saying, hey, it's your son. Maybe that'll work. And he kept trying to legitimize, won't you just work through Ishmael? 
Yeah, that, that was a good decision because you were somewhat obedient, but it's not the best decision. The best decision that it was going to be you're the father, Sarah's the mother, and it's going to be born to her, to you and her. That's what I said I was going to do, and that's best. So if you really want to grow spiritually, stop being satisfied with good decisions and keep pursuing the best decision. I'd write that down. That's a, that's a good one. Because, man, I don't know about y'all. When I was first redeemed, there was so much to fix. We had so much we had to work on. You know, but what you got to be careful of is go, all right, you know, so you don't do those horrible things anymore. And you do better things, you know, you do better things, but you still don't do the best. You know, so, so keep on growing. Because I can do so much more with you if you'll just continue to pursue me and to continue to be sanctified. So, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give this away because you know we got a biggie coming next week in 22. You're going to see this triple designation again on the on the sacrifice of Isaac. So pay attention on that. It's going to be a very similar designation. So Isaac uh, is is the bearer of the the messianic promise, and that's why all this is important. That triple designation's got to be there for this to be. This is the line straight to Jesus. Okay, does that fire anybody up? So the second thing he did, what? He circumcised Isaac at eight days. Uh, why did he do that? That's what he was told to do. You remember that uncomfortable Bible study. But now here's here's this. Did you know that Isaac is the first infant to be circumcised under God's covenant? You know, before we had grown people, we had we had young people, but we didn't have babies. There was no baby to be circumcised when God said, here's my new deal, but this is the first one. So now Isaac is the first baby to be circumcised on the eighth day and, and start that process. So that's big. And then uh, and, 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 uh, the, the third thing, Abraham's age is noticed in 3 through 5. You see that? Moses didn't just like, I think I'll let you all know he's 100 years old. Why do you think that's included? Because God said he was going to have a son when he was 100 years old. That's why that's noted. And that he, that he's a hundred makes it miraculous, and that now that Sarah has been barren, barren her entire life, but now is sitting there barren at ninety. So all of that is significant. Uh, so now we go to verses six through seven, and now the focus is going to shift back now to Sarah. Uh, now pay attention to this because when I was studying this, I was like, well, this is extremely interesting. And Sarah said, "God has made laughter for me." Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in this old age? So her joy is finally becoming a mother. We have people we're praying for now. I mean, I don't know if you – we got people that, you know, for women, you know, it, it's tough on men and women. But for that that womb and for women and that maternal instinct to yearn for a child is really, really painful. And so this has been her whole life. And, you know, and especially in this culture, I mean, if you didn't have a son, uh, you were nothing. And she has been yearning for this and yearning for this and then and then god has delivered and now instead of her laughter being a laughter of doubt it is a laughter of sheer joy it it has finally come it's the right kind of laughter laughter and others will laugh over her because they will be laughing joyfully and laughing in a fun way that here is a 90 year old woman that is nursing a baby which glorifies who? God. Because this is only a God thing. But it's the, you, get that, you get that it's the right kind of laugh? Because you remember when, they, when God said, I want you to name him Isaac, which means he laughs? You remember thinking, well, what, is that supposed to remind her of doubting and remind Abraham of doubting? No, see, now that's been redeemed. So now the name he laughs is, is the right kind of laughing, laughing with sheer joy that God has fulfilled his promise. It's the right kind of laugh now. And um, and then she asked this question, and you guys can shout it out in the room if you want to, but but uh, at home and, and listening, we'll let you guys answer yourself. She asked the rhetorical question, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Who would have said that? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Except who? God. God says, I'll say it. Because there's nothing that's too difficult for me. 
Rest easy in that. So, uh, so now there is harmony with his name because God has done what only God can do, and Isaac's name, he laughs, has the proper meaning now, which is what God was intending all along. And he can redeem your name, and he can, he's redeemed my name. So now we get to the part where it gets a little uncomfortable. Hagar and Ishmael are going to be sent away. So let's, let's unpack that. Verse 8 is pretty straightforward here. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Let me tell you why that's important. Um, that, that means now Isaac's somewhere around three, we think, usually. Um, but it also means there was always a celebration when a, when, a, when a baby was weaned because of the mortality rate of those days. A lot of, a lot of babies never, never lived to, to be the age. Once they got them weaned, it's almost like they felt like, all right, th- this child's going to make it. So, so this, was a, this was always a really big celebration uh, when the child was being weaned. And, they, and, and if you look at some of the commentaries, everybody seems to land that it's somewhere around three, four years old, somewhere in, in there. So that's why that that uh, there is a celebration uh, that was going on because it was a big milestone, and this celebration and this feast was in order. So verses nine through ten. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. Verse ten. So she said to Abraham, "Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac." Well, here we go. This is the uh, this is the like a lot of things were allowed, you know, throughout certain parts of the Bible. But as you see, having two women hanging around and both of them having babies by you, it's not a good scene. Uh, there's there's always going to be competition. There's always going to be problems. Um, now, if you have your Bible, look over in Galatians four twenty nine. Because we start thinking to ourselves, first of all, how, how old is, is, is Ishmael? Uh, is he really mocking Isaac? Is he, is he mocking this situation? Uh, and, uh, and really, we, we get confirmation about, from Paul uh, in the book of, of Galatians because in the book of Galatians, um, you see that, that Paul is, is bringing this up and talking about it in Galatians 4.29. I'm trying to find it here, but he he talks about um, that uh, that Ishmael was mocking uh, Isaac and references it in the book of Galatians, and so when you see that, that we have to come to the conclusion that it is likely uh, that Paul is talking about that that this was actually going on and that uh, and that it actually did happen uh, exactly the way that uh, the Bible is talking about. So four twenty nine. Uh, we, we, we hear this uh, from Paul, and he's talking about Hagar and all that, and it says, But just as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is also now. So if you look before this, he's talking about Hagar uh, and, 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 and the Ishmael, and it comes down that says, now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of the promise. That's in 28. But just at the time, you see the setup? So what he's saying is Isaac was the child of the promise, and Ishmael was not, and he was mocking the child of the promise. So we can only assume, if, if Paul is referencing it this way in Galatians 4.29, that there was something that Ishmael did. Because my first thought, just being honest, being around women and, and wives and children, at first, I thought, well, is is the scripture going to tell us that Sarah's accusation that Ishmael was mocking Isaac is that drama? Is that is that is that accurate? Well, if you look at what Paul said, it must have been something that uh, that that warranted that kind of response. So I, I would I would hang on to that. So we see that this word mocking is correct. Plus, Sarah's reaction to drive them out has to mean this was something pretty heinous. Uh, she doesn't even use the name of Hagar or the name of the baby. Did you notice that? Take this slave woman and the son she bore you, and they got to go. Uh, so you see there's no respect coming uh, from, uh, from Sarah at all. Um, and, and some of your uh, uh, translations might say bondservant, but that's, that's what it was, and son. Um, and so the same word that uh, in the Hebrew here that Sarah uses for them to be banished, this is big too, 
It's the same word used in Genesis when God banishes Adam and Eve. They got to go. You got to get out of here. You can't stay here in, with that kind of behavior. So, so it's a pretty strong deal, and, and Sarah wants there to be no doubt who is the true heir. God has already made that clear. So you think, well, why does she have to do that if God himself has already said that? I'll tell you why. She's making it from just an earthly standpoint. She wants to make sure that all the money and all the wealth uh, is going to be Isaac's. It's not going to be Ishmael's. So, so she says, I don't want there to be any confusion. So that, that baby and that woman, they got to go. And, of course, we're all thinking that this was Sarah's idea to begin with. But, again, as I told you, if your wife ever tells you to, to sleep with uh, somebody who works for her to produce a baby, don't do it because they'll always take it back. Uh, so uh, so do, do not do that. Uh, first of all, and all kidding aside, don't do it because it's sin. Uh, that's We're supposed to stand up at that point as a spiritual leader of the house and say, we're not doing that. That's, what, that's not what God said. We're not doing that. So, uh, so verses 11 through 13, you see this becomes stressful for Abraham, I bet. Uh, so 11 through 13, let's read. And this thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. How would it feel to you? I understand the situation for Sarah. I do. I understand the situation for everybody. But down at the middle of all this and at the heart of it, Abraham has two sons. Ishmael is his son too. At one time, Abraham even pleaded that Ishmael, why can't you just use him? He's my son. And, you know, you see this a lot of times in, in modern day, and, and I unfortunately have been through it as well with the sin of divorce where you may have been married to more than one person or maybe there were people you weren't married to at all uh, and, and you have children uh, and then you, you know, have your wife and you have children with her uh, and it is always stressful. There's No matter how committed everyone is, to hey we're gonna make the best of this situation, it's always there's always conflict, but to to the father of all these children they're all his children, so this is a stressful situation. Abraham knows that he's in that he that he's gonna ultimately have to do what God tells him to do, and this is an interesting deal because you're looking at this going man this poor guy's got two sons and and one of them has to go. You've heard me say that sin always matters. You know this was not God's plan. But you're about to hear God come in and kind of clarify that he understands this is hurtful to Abraham and he's going to do he's going to be gracious with the situation but look at verse 12 But God said to Abraham be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman do you find it interesting that God doesn't call them by name either Who who is he siding with here Sarah He's saying what she's telling you to do, you need to do. And, uh, and and it doesn't mean that God's uncaring, but God is making it clear, though I understand the situation and I have been gracious, I did not command you to have a baby with Hagar. I'm going to take care of them, and you're going to see that in, even here, but that's not what I said to do, and because you didn't do what I said to do, there's going to be earthly consequences for that. And one of them's going to be, you're not going to be with this son anymore. I'm going to take care of them, but they're leaving. They're not going to be part of this. And that's a difficult thing for Abraham, but it's also another reason why we should probably do things the way God says to do them. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for though Isaac shall uh, your offspring be named, meaning I'm not going to produce these stars in, this, in the sand with Ishmael. I'm going to produce that with Isaac, which was my plan all along. You took a detour. Remember, remember us doing that lesson? And though I have forgiven you, and though we're good, the boy and his mama's got to go. That's that's the repercussion for all this. And that and that don't undermine that that's a difficult thing for Abraham. And if you want to know how difficult it is, I just ask you a question. Do you have any kids? If you have children, then you know how much has hurt him because they're all his kids, not just some of them. But, again, this is there's a way that God set things up, and there's the way he wants them done, and his way is always better. But then he comes back, and now as he's, he's kind of harsh with Abraham, but then in 13, here's that great combination 
of our of our of our heavenly Father, and He says, "But I'm going to take care of them." Thirteen, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. I'm, I'm not just going. He's going to be taken care of. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness near Beersheba. Hmm. So stressful for Abraham. It's clear that uh, Ishmael is his true son. The custom of the day, the reason why Sarah is kind of protecting everybody, the custom of the day would have allowed for Ishmael to also be given some of the inheritance. He had... it would have been allowed in the, in the customs, and Sarah knows this, and God knows this. That's going to mess up the deal. He's got to go. So uh, God comes uh, to clarify, as as we heard. Um, he said that uh, Sarah is right about the offspring and everything that I promised you is going to come through Isaac. I will take care um, of, um, uh, of of your son. And I will make a nation through this son. I will not completely abandon the promise that I gave you about Ishmael. And uh, you know what he's really saying to Abraham, what Abraham needs to hear? Now, you'll see in a minute, Hagar thinks something's going to happen. She must not have understood this. But you know what he's saying to Abraham, which I love, the just how gracious and merciful God will be when we're the ones who cause the problem? <laughs> you know what he's saying to Abraham? Hey, Abraham, let him go. Your boy's not going to die in the wilderness. I, I know I know this looks bad, and you think that when you're giving them this bread and this water that you're basically just delaying their eventual death in the wilderness. Your boy's not going to die in the wilderness. I'm going to take care of him. So Abraham gets that promise, and he gives the provisions that they would need, and they wander around Beersheba. Now, this is the extreme uh, southern part of the promised land. The food and water, as you'll see, is about to, about to run out. So here's what happened next. When the water in the skin was gone, this is verse 15, she put the child under one of the bushes, 16. Then she went and she sat down opposite him a good way off. I love this detail that Moses gives us about a, the distance of a bow shot. I love those kind of details in Scripture because he, they're giving us a vision. Uh, and, and for she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and she wept. You know what it is? She knows the baby's going, the boy's going to die. He's a boy now. And she's run out of food. She's run out of water. But this is the, this is the thing about this maternal yearning of women. You know, men and women are, are equal, but they're distinct. They're not the same, no matter what this crazy world's telling you. And there is a maternal connection that women have to their children that we're not in on. I've even watched as Sherry and I have both grieved. We grieve equally, but we don't grieve the same. She's got a connection to that baby from her womb that I'm not in on. There's a maternal thing that's connecting her to the children that I'm not part of. And there's an influence that I have over them that she's not part of. And um, what you're seeing here is this, this struggle with this mama I don't want to see my child die, but I don't want to put him so far away that I can't see him at all. I can't completely abandon him. She's far enough away, but a bow shot you can still see. You know, she's she's away, but but she's not quite to the point that she can just walk away completely. And so um, I, I find this interesting. This this thing that happens next. In 17, and God heard the, underline this, the voice of the boy. They're both crying. It does not say that God heard the voice of the mother. It doesn't say God heard the voice of Hagar. God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard, underline this again, the voice of the boy where he is. He does not say it was your crying that, that got my attention. It was the crying of the boy. Now that could be something as simple as 
and comforting that God hears the cries of our children. And he's touched by that. It could be that God hears the cry of the boy because he's Abraham's son. Um, and, and Hagar was not the intended wife. We don't really know, but we do know that Scripture says it was the boy crying that, that got the angel of the Lord to say, I'm going to resolve this situation. And you know the angel of the Lord is, uh, we said many times, and most commentators believe, when you look at the Trinity, that is Jesus, uh, the pre-incarnate Jesus that will take on human flesh in the um, New Testament. Sarah, and, 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 and she has sent the, the Hagar away and the boy. That's been resolved. Now God is taking care of the boy. Verse 18, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So what, what do you think that God means by that statement? I hear the crying of the boy, and you know what, she, what he is basically saying? Go back and take your role as mama now. Take the boy by the hand. Don't abandon him. He's not going to die. You go back to being mama again. And you, you go back and do your responsibilities, and I'm going to make a great nation out of your son. Ishmael is going to be taken care of. And uh, obviously we see what happens next. He grows, and we, we hear about him growing up into a man. 19. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness, became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So it even tells us that Hagar had to be the one to find the wife because he didn't have a daddy. Back to the comment. Because what does this fatherless Ishmael turn out to be? A handful for everybody. He got really good with the bow. That's something, you know, for all we know, you know, this is something that Abraham, you know, it would have been the kind of man, the kind of son Abraham would have liked, would have loved. He's good with the bow, good hunting, you know, and all this. But we know that the nations that will come through him will rise up against the nations that come through Isaac. So, so sin always matters. But at this point, you see God taking care of, of Abraham's son and grows him into a man, but the covenant still comes through Isaac. But then something interesting happens. Just uh, after all this has been told to us, Abimelech comes back. He's bringing Phicol with him this time, the commander of his army. And since he says at that time, we assume that that he shows up right around the time all this has happened. Uh, and uh, and so. Uh, here's what uh, Abimelech says. God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and, and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham says really quick, I swear. So what's going on here? So Abraham is going to seal the deal. Um, and and uh, and, and kind of get into a treaty uh, here with Abimelech, but why is he doing that? So um, so we have um, a water issue that's going on, and uh, can I tell you what's interesting about Abimelech and 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 Fichel is that we're going to when when Isaac is a grown man, we're going to see two men show up with him uh, later in Genesis with the exact same name, about ninety years later. And so we're assuming that these are family names that keep being passed on, but we're going to end up – Isaac is actually going to face two guys with exactly the same name 90 years from now, which is interesting. So it must be some sort of family name that's getting passed on. So um, so Abra uh, Abimelech wants some assurances from Abraham uh, and uh, because he's, he's letting him know that you're a resident here, but you're still a sojourner. You're an alien. But I, but I have to acknowledge that God's with you. And, and I want to know that I'm not going to have any trouble from you because God's with you because we've been through something together, and I saw it with my own eyes. And, you know, he's really saying because of what happened, Abraham nearly got him killed by God. Are you going, are you, are, can I trust you to stay here and not cause me any problems? And i got to have some kind of assurance. So Abraham's reply is short, I swear, but he does then go on and he complains about something. Look, look, look what he says next, 25. When, when Abraham reproved Abimelech, so he's upset, 
about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. Uh, that, that what happened is Abraham had had dug a well on this land. He assumes if I can be here, I can have the water too. Well, uh, some of the some of the people uh, under Abimelech's um, um, uh, sir, uh, they serve him. They're part of his staff. They come out and they take the water away from Abraham. So we got some trouble going on, and and Abraham's like, look, you come over here, want me to give you some insurance assurances? We're gonna be good, but I gotta tell you, I'm not happy about what happened with this well. And of course, Abimelech tries to pull the move. Well, you should have told me. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, so look in 26. I do not know who has done this thing. Uh, you did not uh, uh, tell me, and and all I and I have not heard about it until today. So Abimelech tries to dodge and, and not take any responsibility. He, he pleads ignorance. And you know what he does? He pulls the famous, hey, you should have told me. And so Abraham said, all right, well, let's seal this deal. We're about to clear this whole thing up. And so Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and, and the two men made a covenant. Now, have you ever heard this deal? Because this is true, and I deal with it in all my business workings, and we need to deal with this as men of God. We all trust each other. But good contracts keep good friends, okay? And so Abraham's saying, we all talked about this, and we can all swear I want to. We're going to do some kind of contract because I, we're going to have some kind of assurance here. And so he gives him some sheep and oxen. Why is that important? Because Abimelech had given them to him. He's now giving some back of what Abimelech gave him when we had the Sarah issue, okay? But then he does something in 28, which is really uh, biblically important and interesting. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? Now, why are you throwing this in? Well, keep in mind, the number seven is all over this, and I won't get too in the weeds on, on numeric stuff in the Bible, but the seven is, is pretty straightforward. This is what God considers to be the perfect number. God, this is God's number of completion. And when you see this seven start showing up, you, you should think perfection. You should think completion. Okay? And so what, what, what you see with this being seven is that this is Abraham saying, I want this to kind of be the end of this. I want this to be everlasting, complete. There's nothing left. I have access to the water. Uh, y'all not going to come taking water from me. I'm sojourning in the land, but I am here, and I'm and and you have given me permission to be here, and we can be at peace. Why does he want to stay there? He's in the promised land. This is a, he knows that God's eventually going to give it to him straight up or to his his descendants. So so anyway, so he wants to stay in Canaan because every time he leaves Canaan and he leaves the promised land, he gets in trouble because he's not supposed to. So he's there, and he's cutting the deal. Now, the beauty of the seven ewe lambs is that even though he had already given Abimelech some, uh, you know, an oxen and sheep, these were, these were mature, adult, and they're going to be of some value to him, but they're getting older. When you gave somebody ewes that were lambs, that were young, you're basically saying you're going to have milk and you're going to have offspring and you're going to have fl- – have- this is a much more valuable gift that I'm giving you. And I'm giving you seven of those, and this was a sign that Abraham was saying that he would um, he, he would he would up uphold his part, and uh, and he will also say that I want you to to hold up your part because um, I want us to right now clear all this up about that I didn't take this well from you and your servants come get it from me justifiably, and so you'll see this play out. Look, and so he says uh, to him. He says, the seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be uh, a witness for me that I dug the well. 31. Therefore, the place was called Beersheba because uh, both of them swore an oath, and so they made a covenant at Beersheba. So he's saying is, when you take these lambs from me, the seven, it's complete, and I want my name cleared. I dug the well, and this is you acknowledging that I dug it. It wasn't one of your whales that I took over and then your servants had the right to take back. And Abimelech agrees. He said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll have that covenant, uh, and we will do that. And uh, so um, um, he says that, um, that Abraham will, will you know, not be a problem for Abimelech, and Abimelech is making a commitment to him that I'll protect you, which is why Fikehold needed to be there because he was the commander of his armies. So he made sure that he was there so that he would see this agreement so that the guy in charge of the armies wouldn't bring any military force down on, on, on Abraham. See, Abraham's smart. 
He, he's getting this cleared up, and I would suggest that we always do that. I, I, it's one of the things that I learned from this. If you ever have a conflict with somebody, you should always make it clear what you think has happened today. I have forgiven you, correct? So, so did, did, if you say say you had wronged somebody or they had wronged you, and it was a combination. Right now, I'm telling you, I want to clear this up, and I forgive you. And are you saying today that you forgive me of this? And if the answer is yes and yes, then you say, oh, so, so from this day forward, we don't bring this garbage back up on each other anymore. It's over. That's true forgiveness, by the way. So we're done with this. You, you don't, you don't, one time you get mad at me in the future, go, well, you remember that time you took that well from me? I mean, we're, we're not, we're not going to, you hate people to do that. They keep throwing stuff back up in your face and then they claim that they love you. When, 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 when first Corinthians 13 said that, that, that true love does not keep a record of wrongs. And this is Abraham basically saying, this is done. And this is the right way we're supposed to handle things. If you truly forgive somebody, it's over. Shut up about it. Don't bring it up anymore. Don't hold it against them anymore. And, uh, and so he's got the, the commander of the army there to see that. And uh, he says, so, so, so Phicol, the commander of, of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. That's also a sign that he's not going to bother Abraham. Abraham planted uh, Tamar, it's, it's called Tamarisk tree in uh, Beersheba and called the name of the Lord, um, called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. That's going to be beautiful. i got a good thing to end on. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines, meaning he was able to live his life out without concern of them coming against him. So here's what's cool about these trees. This tree is, is a combination of trees that are deciduous but also evergreen. It's a combination of the, of the two types of trees. And did you know when they reach maturation, they could be as big as 30 feet tall. Uh, and it provided tremendous amount of shade. And uh, so it's interesting that that's the kind of tree. And we see this is the only time in Scripture that we have documentation that Abraham's planting a tree. He did a lot of altars and a lot of things like that. But now he's planting a tree. And uh, this is most likely because he wants a marker uh, to to dedicate the whale and the surrounding land to the one and only living God whose land and whale it really is, you know, with all the pagans and all the stuff going on. And also, it's clearly, this tree being planted, is clearly connected to the worship of Yahweh, but he adds something here. He adds everlasting God. Did you know that we don't see uh, this title anywhere else in the Bible but right here, and, and Abraham, it could be the acknowledgement that Abraham is saying, Isaac is here, and I acknowledge that you have kept your covenant, and I, have, I, I will acknowledge that you will also keep the promise that this land will be my people's. And he's saying to him for the first time in Scripture and the only time, you are Yahweh, but I also Today, as I plant this tree, I, I acknowledge you and call you the everlasting God. The cut when you when you make a covenant, you keep it, okay. And you have kept your covenant, and that tells me you'll keep all your covenants. And I'm planting this tree right here as a marker that this is the worship of the one and only living God, and this is His land, and He will be giving it to my offspring because He has given me the Son that He promised me. The everlasting God has fulfilled his covenant, and he will continue to fulfill his covenant. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, for just the mercy and, and the grace that you've shown all of us. But may we continue to tell the world that you are the one and only living God. You are the everlasting God. You are the Lord God Almighty. And may we stand with you and all who come against you. And, Lord, I, I pray that you eradicate uh, uh, this evil. And it could be that the evil will only be eradicated when you have completed uh, uh, the, the, the promise of you refining your church and you bringing a new heaven and a new earth. And, Lord, uh, you are purging all those who oppose you. But, Lord, thank you for being gracious enough, just like you were gracious to us, to allow time for those who need to be redeemed and reconciled to you to be redeemed and reconciled to you. But what we take away from this today is everything that you said that you were going to do, you have done, and you said that you are coming back, so you will. You will.
In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us.